You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose to Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. We made it to another Wednesday, guys, so that means we have another question and answer episode geared up for you guys and ready to go. But before we do, I just have to take a moment to acknowledge all of that elegance, excellence, and just beauty on display at the inauguration on last week. I just want to say that that was beautiful. Um, I was extremely excited and extremely happy for um, the new era to begin, the new era to be ushered in. Uh, I've said it on this podcast plenty of times. I think that um, when we had Trump in office, it was a... Um, it was a situation in which we 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 got to see America for what it really was. Um, and now that we've hit rock bottom, so to speak, I think that this is a perfect time to have have Joe and Kamala in place to be able to at least assist or help in assisting us to redirect the way America was going. So shout out to everybody that enjoyed the inauguration and even shout out to the people that didn't actually got into a back and forth with someone uh, who was a fan of Trump online. And uh, it just it was funny. I laughed because uh, he he mentioned the R word. And I just feel like that's that's right in line with people who support Trump. Right. They resort to just the most childish tactics at times. So it's a new day, new time, new beginning. And it just feels so great. All right. So let's kick it off. Quote of the day today comes from an unknown source. I heard it actually the other day while I was at work and I just thought it resonated really, really well um, with the times. And the quote reads, you were given this mountain to show others it can be moved. Again, that quote reads, you were given this mountain to show others it can be moved, right? And it, it came at a very, very clutch time for me. Um, I was feeling a little frustrated and overwhelmed with the things that I had going on, um, both podcast, business-wise, um, and work. It was just a, a really um, turbulent week, I'll call it. And when I heard this quote, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm right where I need to be. I'm right where the Lord wants me to be. So I have to keep keep moving forward and keep having faith that he'll continue to put me in the right positions, right? So for those of you out there who feel like you're overwhelmed, you might be experiencing some emotional stuff, business stuff, whatever it is, just know you were given that mountain to show others that it can be moved. Question number one from our relationship and mental health side of things. How can thoughtful building design improve mental health? Once again, that question is how can thoughtful building design improve mental health? 
I think what if and please feel free to shoot me an email back if I'm wrong and, and what I'm getting at here. But I think what what it will do for you is it'll allow you to access different areas of your brain and different things that you may have may not have thought about before. Right. So it'll utilize it'll force you to utilize areas of your brain that you have not used before. And ultimately, what I'm thinking is open up a new neurological pathway for you so that you're now able to to think more thoroughly and improve your critical thinking. All right. So that would be my my answer to that question. It'll improve your critical thinking ability um, and open up a different area in your brain that will allow you to think with a different perspective going forward. Question number two, how do we stress our minds? Once again, that question is, how do we stress our minds? I think we stress our minds when we when we get caught up in overthinking things. Right? So when we think about the future or when we think about the past too often. Right. And I know this sounds so corny and so cliche. And even there was a point in time in my life where I thought this was like one of the most cliche terms ever. But it's very important to stay present and stay in the moment because right now and right in this moment is where everything great is happening, right? So there's a neurolinguistic programming technique that I, I, I won't say I master because um, I'm still working on present moment awareness, but that I use when I get into situations in which I feel like I'm, I'm thinking too much about the future or I'm thinking too much about the past, right? And really quickly, all it is, is it's Closing your eyes in the moment, right? So when you start to see your feel your mind overwhelmed, you start to feel all of those stress and pressures. Just close your eyes and breathe slowly, right? So as you're breathing, count to three, hold your breath in for three seconds and then blow out for three seconds and do that three times. I call it three sets of threes. Do it three times. And when you open your eyes after you're done doing it, just look around you. And look to see all the things that you can see with your eyes, all the things that you can touch with your hands. And if you're, you're in an area in which you can taste something, all the things that you can actually taste. Um, and when you do this technique, it the idea behind it is to bring you to the realization that, um, yes, things may be stressful in the future. Things may have stressed you out in the past. But right now you're living, you're breathing you have the ability to hear, to touch, to taste, right? And as long as you have these powers within you, right, that the Lord are getting, is giving you, then you can conquer or overcome any situation in the future. And you're here now, so you overcome any situation that have been came or brought about to you from the past, right? So use that technique. Uh, it'll take some time to practice it, but I often find that we're we're extremely stressed when we're either thinking about something that's going to happen in the future or we're dwelling on something that happened in the past. Question number three, a guy three years older than me had a lot of issues with his ex. He claims he wants to be with me, but is awkward in person. What should I do? Once again, that question is a guy that's three years older than me had a lot of issues with his ex in the past. He claims he wants to be with me, but is so awkward in person. What should I do? I think you want to have a conversation with him and try to to see and identify if he's really over those issues that he had with his ex in the past. Um, because if you don't, I think what will happen is you'll create um, an area in your life where you're you're trying to date someone. You're trying to move forward with them, but they have a ton of baggage that they're bringing into the relationship. 
which ultimately will make it impossible to move forward, right? Because they haven't unpacked all of their their own baggage and the layers of things that went on with their ex. For you to try to fuse yourself into this situation and think that you can save them or or help them or be their their savior, I think that's very, very unrealistic. I've seen it time and time again where people run in to save someone who had a ton of issues in the past with their ex-lover, ex-partner, and it did not end well for either party involved, right? Because again, the gentleman or woman didn't unpack their own baggage, and then the partner of that gentleman or woman thought that they can fix this person or save this person, and it's just not realistic. Um, This is why I say... And feel free to go check out um, the episode on understanding your partner. This is why I say it's so important to um, make sure that you have an idea of what your partner is bringing into a relationship when you first start dating, right? Because some people hop from relationship to relationship. And let me just give a, a, a caveat because that's not bad necessarily. But some people will literally hop from relationship to relationship in a reactive manner, carrying all their baggage from the previous relationships. And then they won't, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Or I don't know why I can't be successful in a relationship. And the truth is that you can't be successful until you you unpack all of the baggage that that comes from previous relationships, right? If you don't do that, then it just becomes a burden for for the other person. All right. So to answer your question again, um, I would have a frank conversation with this gentleman to see if he's really over his ex and the issues that that happened with them. If he's not, then maybe you guys will be better off being friends for now until he's able to to have those conversations and unpack some of the, the trauma or drama that went on with his ex. Question number four, how much time do you need to get over a breakup? Once again, that question is, how much time do you need to get over a breakup? I think that that's very specific to the individual in that question here, right? So sometimes it may take longer for one person than it would for another. I will say, though, based off of my experiences um, and the, the, the work I've done over the years, usually it, it takes longer for someone who is not used to breakups to get over it, right? So for example, if this was the first breakup and you had this idea that you and this person would, would be happily ever after, forever and ever, and then you break up, it typically takes very, well, I won't say very long. It takes longer to get over something like that than someone who's kind of used to breaking up or gotten to the cycle of makeup and breakup. So it, it becomes normalized. Not that I would say to ever normalize a breakup because um, I just don't think that that's cool. I think you should have the maturity coming into this situation to to know and understand yourself and have an emotional awareness. But um, it, it ver- it's very specific. Um, again, I'll say from my experiences, I've seen people who have early breakups, so first breakups or things like that, take a little longer than people who are used to kind of that breakup cycle. So um, it's very specific. And I do hope that you you get over it sooner than later, because I know that it can be it can be a very challenging spot to be in where you're constantly questioning um, the things you may have accepted, the things that you knew were wrong in a relationship, but you didn't say anything about so on and so forth. Right. So 
it's a part of life. I know. Um, <laughs> frankly, I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and they told me like that my daughters will at some point in time experience heartbreak. And it was a very, um, it was a very good dose of reality. Why? Also, why I love my friends because it's going to happen, right? Breakups happen. It's a part of life. You want them to happen sooner rather than later. So you can learn a lesson from them. Question number five, if your partner cheats on you with person A, can it ever be the person's fault? Once again, that question is, if your partner cheats on you with person A, can it ever be that person's fault? I personally think that that's a no. The answer to that question is a no, right? That is, if your partner cheats on you, it is um, 100% they, they made the decision to do that. If they tell you anything other than I'm sorry or I apologize and seek your forgiveness, then that's a sign that they're immature and you probably avoided a bullet with that situation. Um, And I would invite you to forgive, but move on with your life because that's someone who can't take responsibility for their actions and is quick or easy to blame another person for what they did. Right. And that's, those are all, all negative signs. If you go back to season one um, and I talked a lot about building your relationship, trust being a major uh, component and also not being someone who blames others for your actions is another major component for a lasting relationship. The indication that your partner is giving is that they cannot take responsibility for their actions and they're willing to blame others for the things that they know they did wrong. Right. It can never be another person's fault because you guys have heard me say this and I'll say it again. You are 100 percent in control of how you respond to anything or any external circumstances. Right. So you can't say, oh, this person made me do this or this person made me do that. That's those are all signs of someone who is not mature. Question number six. What do you do when your boyfriend doesn't want your baby from another guy? Once again, that question is, what do you do if your boyfriend does not want your baby from another guy? I think in this instance, you leave that gentleman um, <clears throat> in every situation, excuse me, that I've I've ever been a part of, both with with my coaching practice um, or in life in general, period, uh, in which the mother chose the boyfriend or chose to continue to be in a relationship with the boyfriend it's turned out negatively for the child, right? So the child felt like they've been neglected. They feel like they're unloved. They don't feel welcomed in the presence of the mother or the husband slash boyfriend. Um, so that would be my advice to you. You guys have heard me say this a million and one times. Um, this is a million and two. I don't care what my relationships are. Um, there's no relationship more important than that of fatherhood to me. And in your instance, that of parenthood. Uh, so I know it can be really, really um, difficult and tough to sum up the courage to just be on your own or leave this gentleman, uh, especially if you really like him. I get that piece of things. But I'll tell you from my experiences, those situations end up bad for the child because you got to realize that you're you're essentially asking your child to to deal with a very, very um 
explosive situation it can be uh and you're in it with them as well so ideally in a in a normal functioning world norm ideal worlds quote unquote i know everything isn't ideal but a child grows up thinking that their mother is their protector their provider so on and so forth right if your child gets into situations in which you're not protecting and providing for them or you're not uh, making sure their needs are met that can create a lot of confusion. Please, please trust me on this. Um, it can create a lot of confusion within a child's life and cause them to feel neglected or unwanted, right? So if your boyfriend does not want your child from another man, then that's not the person for you, right? That also is an indicator of do do they really love you, right? Is this someone who really loves you? Because if you love someone, you practice unconditional acceptance, right? You accept them for who they are and their willingness to to continue to work. And obviously, who you are is a mom, right? You, you come into the situation with a child. So yeah, that that it has a recipe for disaster written all over it if you continue to pursue this relationship with this gentleman. Okay, let's touch on some insight from a former narcissist. What do people get wrong about narcissists? Once again, that first question is, what do people get wrong about narcissists? I think the um, overwhelming majority of times where I've dealt with a narcissist, uh, I think that the thing that people get wrong most is their ability to manipulate situations, right? So here's where that charm piece comes into play because they can be amazingly charming, uh, seem as if they're very, very witty and intelligent. Um, and that can give off the false perception to some people that, oh, this person is nice or this person is okay. Or this person is anything that someone said negatively about this person or this person being a narcissist, they were wrong because this person is so awesome. Right. So the thing I've seen most is just that that falling into that perception of, oh, no, this this person is way too charming or way too intelligent to be a narcissist. Question number two, how do I nicely tell someone I'm not interested in dating because I was married to a narcissist? Once again, that question is, how do I nicely tell someone I'm not interested in dating because I was married to a narcissist? I think in this instance, um, you want to let them down softly. You don't want to give them too much information also. So I would say something along the lines of, I really appreciate the fact that you're interested in dating me, but right now I have some healing to do and I have some working on myself to do. Um, not because of, you don't have to mention the previous relationship, of course, uh, but you can just say, I have some healing and I have some work on myself to do. And once I'm done working on myself, if I feel like I'm in a position, then I'll start to date again. And you're someone that I'll certainly look to date um, or look to spark a friendship, something along those lines. The reason that you you don't want to pursue a relationship with this person is because, like you just said, you still have a lot of unpacking of baggage to do for your own personal self. Right. So I would I would also invite you to get in, in touch with emotional intelligence and EQ. And look into the different avenues and, and things that it can do to help you in this situation in particular, especially when it comes to emotional management and emotional awareness, because surviving a narcissistic breakup is one of the most difficult things that I feel that people do because you invested so much time and energy into this individual that turned out to be uh, someone who was completely selfish, self-centered, and only had interest in kind of doing or getting over on you in the ways that they could. 
Question number three. What was your biggest loss as a result of being in a relationship with a narcissist? What did it cost you? Once again, that question is, what was your biggest loss as a result of being in a relationship with a narcissist? And what did it cost you? For me, I, I don't care about any financial gains or, or anything like that. The, the thing that being in a relationship with the narcissist cost me was my sense of self. Right. I really legitimately um, was in a relationship with someone and I, I didn't know who I was. Uh, I, I was very reactive. I knew I wasn't wasn't having my needs fulfilled yet. I was still OK with that uh, because I felt like I had cheated so many times or I had taken advantage of her so many times that it was rightfully so that I would get all of this uh, narcissistic treatment, so to speak. And I think that that's one thing that. It, there's no value or, or a dollar amount that you can place on that. Losing your sense of self puts you in a very, very dark spot. You guys know I refer to it as the abyss, but it, it, it puts you in a very, very dark spot. So I would say losing myself um, was the biggest cost in my relationship with the narcissist, which is also why I'm so hyper vigilant now when it comes to my relationships and, and kind of looking for those narcissistic characteristics in people, because I will never, ever, ever, ever. And I never say never, but this is a never for me. I will never allow a narcissistic individual to be a part of my life ever again. Question number four, why does a narcissist not care how bad they are making you feel about yourself? Once again, that question is, why does a narcissist not care how bad they are making you feel about yourself? I think the reason is, is a narcissist isn't set up to think about anybody outside of themselves. It's all about their needs, what they want, um, how they can take advantage of you. So they don't and I know this sounds crazy, but they don't think like that. They don't have that type of thought process of, oh, man, I'm so sorry that I'm making you feel bad about yourself, even though you're trying really, really hard to be the best person that you can be. Their thought process is more along the lines of, yes, I, I want you to suffer. I want you to continue to suffer. I want you to feel bad about yourself. And I want you to feel like the only person that you have in this entire world is me. Right. That's their thought process. And the more they can control you and keep you thinking along those lines, the better they feel about themselves. Right. So if you're looking for them to feel bad for you or to feel bad for the way they've treated you, that's just not realistic because they're not set up to think like that. They think about themselves and themselves only. Question number five. What was the turning point when you, when you stopped asking why regarding the narcissist, you know? Once again, that question is, what was the turning point when you stopped asking why regarding the narcissist, you know, the turning point for me came in when I realized that no matter what this person did to me, no matter what this person said to me, I was 100 percent in control of how I responded. And once I assumed, I guess I should say that that responsibility for being 100 percent in control of how I responded to this person, I started to realize that a lot of the, the narcissistic traits are similar to that of a, a bully. Once you stand up to the bully, you punch the bully back in the face after they've bullied you for so long it's it's like a shock to them it's it's mind-blowing and they usually try to resort 
to different tactics to get you. But again, once you assume that I am 100% control and responsible for my actions role, you start to, to figure out little ways that you can play with them and not give in to some of their, their abusive tendencies or psychologically abusive tendencies, whatever it may be. But when you take full responsibility for who you are, what you have going and for your life, I think that's when when the narcissist starts to get a little worried. And now you flip it from you being on eggshells in the relationship to them being on eggshells now. Question number six. Why do so many people claim their art ex was a narcissist and blame that person for everything? Isn't it possible that maybe it's you that wasn't a good partner? Once again, that question is, why do so many people claim that their ex was a narcissist and blame that person for everything? Isn't it possible that maybe it's you that wasn't a good partner? I think, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. Um, and you'd see that a lot when you... Um, Actually, let me just backtrack a little bit before I even get into that. I think the term narcissist or narcissistic narcissism, uh, all of these terms have become popular nowadays. So what you'll see is you'll see people easily throwing those terms around to to be dismissive. And I think that when you when you are able to create these umbrella terms and they become cool and popular, all it does is it really just allows you not to accept or take full responsibility for your peace in the relationship, right? So if you do have someone that, that's claiming that you're, it seems like claiming that you're a narcissistic person because of your past relationship, I think there's easily things that you can point at within a relationship that indicate that you're not a narcissist, right? Because narcissists very strategically isolate someone from their family, from their social support network, and also uh, does not acknowledge their feelings. If you were in a relationship and you were acknowledging your partner's feelings and you were validating their feelings and you were not trying to keep them away from friends or family members, then I don't think you can be considered a narcissist. But I say all of that to say this to you. Get prepared and get used to the term narcissist, narcissism, whatever. Um, it'll be around for a while because it, it provides an easy opportunity for people to be dismissive of their areas of deficit within the relationship. Right. So it's just it's much easier to say, oh, the, the relationship didn't work out because that person was a narcissist, as opposed to saying, you know what, I have my own things that I need to work on before I'm able to have a successful, lasting relationship. Right. So. Let me know how that goes, brother, man. Uh, I'd really be interested to, to see kind of what what that looks like for you. Um, feel free to shoot us that email, of course. As with everybody, please feel free to shoot us an email at tqlp20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our big Wednesday episode. Again, that's tqlp20 at gmail.com. I feel like I need to say this uh, again. I say it from time to time, but I think I, I, with our new audience coming in, I think it's it's worth saying it again. Anytime you guys shoot me some questions, they will be answered in an anonymous fashion. So you do not have to worry about your name being tied to it or uh, too much detail being tied to it as well. Right. I keep it keep it very, very anonymous. I know how difficult it could be to ask questions or to uh, feel comfortable enough to ask questions about what's going on in your life. But I also appreciate you guys get 
trusting me to be the person that answers your questions. All right. So shoot those questions over to TQLP20 at gmail.com. If you need any love, relationship, or mental health questions answered, or if you've had an experience with a narcissist and you want to talk about that as well. Right. Remember, guys, as always, the quality of love and relationship that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.